everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. Believe it or not, the podcast is four years old today and I wanted to mark that in some way. As it happens, my most popular episode ever with the one and only Josh Bryceland was about to drop off the end of the podcast RSS feed. That means that the only place you'd be able to find it is on my website and it's still so popular that I wanted to make sure people can access it easily. There's also loads of new podcast listeners since we recorded that episode back in 2018 who may not have heard it yet. So I went back and re-listened to the episode and I still think it's a great chat with one of the biggest characters of our sport. So I've remastered it and re-released it for everyone to enjoy today. So if you've listened before, hopefully you'll enjoy listening again. And if you've never heard this episode, then you're in for a good hour and a half. If you're hoping for a new interview with Josh, then I'm really sorry to disappoint. If you're keen to hear from Josh again, then maybe comment on my Instagram post for this episode, tag him in and we'll see if we can make it happen. We'll be back to business as usual with a new episode on Tuesday, but until then, make sure you subscribe wherever you choose to listen to the show, and that means you'll get every episode as soon as it drops. There's a page on my website at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe that's got all the links for all the major platforms to help you get it done. Also, give me a follow on Instagram or Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast so you can get involved in the comments. All right, that's enough from me. Time to hand over to Josh. Josh Bryson, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. Thanks for coming on, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, mate. Good stuff. So this is uh, this is pretty exciting. One of the few podcasts that I've done face to face, which is always better. And we're sat on uh, your houseboat somewhere <laughs> near Manchester, which is awesome. Like totally cool on a very very different spot. Like, how did this come about? How did you end up living on a houseboat? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, well, it's sort of boats stem back as far as bikes for me if not further I sort of grew up in and around boats mum and dad um made a living from initially just buying buying knackered ones doing them up a bit and selling them and then slowly built that into a business and uh once dad had built a hundred boats he sold a business and bought the marina which is where we are now yeah. and this boat are on is one of the boats he built about 15 years ago for Andy Kiffin. Oh, so it was Pete's mechanic, mechanic yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's in my blood, really, the boats, and um, just super tranquil. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I felt like when I got here, just like stepping out of the car, having driven through the outskirts of Manchester, pretty crazy traffic, and in here it's so quiet. And yeah, super it's away chill. from it all, it's nice. Nice. Just hear the ducks and the geese. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Happy days. How long have you been in the boat now then? <clears throat> I think it's got to be coming up for four years. Yeah. I don't even remember. 14. Could... Yeah, yeah. I think it was the summer of 14 I went on it. Could you ever see yourself living in bricks and mortar after being here? Like... Yeah, I could. I could. Yeah. And, I, and I sort of split my time between here and my girlfriend's house. But... Yeah. I just usually like there's a water tank and I'm three hoses away from a water point, so I'm super minimalist on my water use here. <laughs> so I won't shower on my boat. So like, play. I, I just like go and go and use my mum's or Jesse's house for a shower and that's me. <laughs> so, but houses have the uses. <laughs> nice. I see where you're coming from. Good stuff. And what else? Like outside of riding, I, I've not seen much of what you get up to. So what what is what is Josh up to when he's not riding a bike these days? Seen a bit of car and motorbike stuff. Yeah, but... I usually try and have a hobby which isn't mountain biking. Right. 
for a little while there it was drifting, which I still I do miss. Yeah. I absolutely I've got a rear wheel drive car and I love just kicking the clutch. Cheeky drifting. Yeah. yeah. But like just for me it was with my travelling and racing, I'd burn enough fossil fuels anyway right. and I was like I I just couldn't really justify it, so not that I'm preaching, that's just me and uh yeah, so drifting took a backseat, uh-huh. and then I was skating for a little bit, but ankles and skateboards, and that's just a recipe for disaster. So. Yeah, so I did a bit of skating, and then BMX, really. BMX and yoga now. Yeah. Try and do at least once a week yoga. Yeah. I absolutely buzz off yoga. I've never felt like... Ever riding after yoga, I've never felt so relaxed and just fluid on the bike so Interesting. I think that's yeah what sort of yoga do you do because there's a load of different styles so right? many in there yeah I'm not I'm not that up on them all but the one I go to weekly is um, Iyengar okay which is like pretty strict form based and like repeating yeah. poses a lot which is meant for me because I'm stiff as a board and useless yeah thing, riding so. does that to you eh? yeah big sure. time yeah. years of it and I never really stretched before like I've, when I was younger, I, I wasn't flexible, so I didn't stretch. So it just got worse and worse. Yeah, so. yeah I got to the point where I couldn't touch my toes and then thought, yeah. I've got to do something about this. So. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Do, do you get like a, is there a sort of mindfulness, like the mental side of yoga as well? Do you feel that too? Or is it more just about massively, the body? Massively, yeah, massively. I, I, um, I love the feeling when I leave. It's just like still. It's nice. It's so not you, crazy thoughts running around. Just yeah. like body and mind relax yeah it's good. and you find that transfers to a good riding session then absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. i uh oh yeah 100 percent. i mean you're just in in balance aren't you way more in balance and just yeah ready to drop into flow zone sweet sounds good nice one so let's um let's wind the clock back a little bit you mentioned um you know your family was involved in boats and stuff when you were growing up tell us a little bit about like your childhood where where were you based what was it like yeah, well, right, right here, really, um, in my boatyard over wave. My uh, we lived, we lived in my boatyard in a boat for a few years, uh-huh. and then in a caravan just next to the boat. So I think Dad had sold the boat we were living on, and then Dad bought the house opposite. But the boatyard was like raised, and the road. The road runs down next to it, so it was like a little bank. Yeah. And as far back as I can remember, I was riding down the bank to the road. It was like a five-second run. Nice. And I have so many little ways down. And, uh, yeah, just... My dad used to love riding motorbikes, so he was big into his motorbikes, and he'd do a bit of push-biking for training. And I'd just pedal around making motorbike noises, but ended up just riding push-bikes. Yeah. As soon as I got home from school, I'd be on my push bike, and then that was it. I just, yeah, just, yeah, loved it, always. Sweet. I, I read somewhere about your dad, like, turning his motorbike around and creating a bit of a rut somewhere that you were uh, sessioning as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Nice. There used to be a rut at the bottom of the drive, and I'd try and, like, it was a 180, and it'd come back out uphill, and I'd just try and go in as fast as I could so I could come back up with a bit of speed and I'd never make it round. Sweet. Bar dragging it. What, what kind of age were you? Five or six, probably. Seven. Nice. Long time ago. Awesome. Yeah. And that, like, how did that progress then into 
like get into races and, and that side of things? Um, I think Andy Kiffin really was probably a huge influence because he was sort of good mates with my old man and um, obviously he was Pete's mechanic at the time. Yeah. And dad, yeah, it's funny looking back, it's, you're a product of your environment, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. And like racing, racing has always been dad used to race motorbikes and Kiffo mechanics for racing. And I think that's how we ended up. We go on Sunday rides and then we'd always do a Sunday ride. I think when I was like 11, 10 or 11, I got my first mountain bike, which was a GT outpost trail or something. Uh-huh. Of RST, some horrendous for <laughs> Yeah, they didn't work back then, did they? <laughs> no. And uh, yeah, the Sunday ride, the Saturday or Sunday ride progressed into why don't we go and try a race? We went to a pace race at uh-huh. e- uh, Bringewood or Hopton, I can't remember which one. Yeah, yeah. And um, you had to be 12 to enter, and I was 10. Dad just changed my birthday. Nice. And a race. So I did like four years in juvenile. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so I did one race and I absolutely loved it and uh, I remember it was like out of about six crashes two over bars ball road most of it but I just absolutely <laughs> loved it the run down Bridgewood took me about ten minutes nice. but that was us and uh, well oh yeah so prior to that I was racing motocross okay. my old man had raced motocross every weekend so he'd take me and I'd race I'd race motocross but then we did like one mountain bike race and then we'd sort of we'd balance both and then later like you as got a bit faster and went into youth and junior dad pretty much traded out motocrossing for just taking me around and absolute legend just fair play yeah committed fully committed to yeah. me and was um were you getting results at that point like could he see there was a potential or was it just because you were loving it and he was your yeah. bo- like your dad kind of thing I did no I, I think I was getting alright results and I think there was definitely mention of potential but I don't know how I saw it but I can't remember when my first good result was I think I had a second to Brendan yeah I had a second to Brendan and I wasn't even in his category so I must have still been too young sweet So, so yeah because he's a couple of years older right? yeah yeah, yeah. At Radnor, maybe. And then I think, when yeah, yeah, something like that. Fair play, it's going back a while, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long time, and I yeah. used to hit my head so much, my memory's <laughs> terrible when I was that age. Man. I'd never no, put it's... my arms out, it'd always be straight, straight to your head. your head. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And then, uh, so how did Petey get involved? So obviously there's the link through Andy Kiffin, right? But when, yeah, did, when yeah. did Petey first kind of see you ride or... Uh, I went to an MVUK photo shoot in Warncliffe and I'd never been Warncliffe before. And uh, Kiffo took me over. I had a day off school and I went over Sweet. and uh, it was like a masterclass for PE with mm-hmm. helping people. Take them to a gnarly, horrible, craggy Warncliffe section and chuck a load of amateurs down it. <laughs> yeah, and Warncliffe back then didn't have, there was no easy trails oh, there, right? Oh no, it wasn't sculpted like yeah. it is now. It was just raw. So I, I must have done all right because... Petey sort of, he took me under his wing from there on, really. Hmm. And uh, he'd always give me tips at races and eventually... So Kiffo was like my first sponsor yeah. through Northwest Mountain Bikes. He'd, he'd sort us out of all sorts. And I basically cracked my GT and then got another GT. 
and then I snapped the elastomer in that fork, <laughs> and then I got a new fork, and then I cracked that frame, so then I got on a full suspension, and then I cracked that. Good effort. And then Petey was like, oh, I'm riding orange now. Yeah. Here's, a, here's an old Patriot, and I think it was like the matte grey front end and the matte black back end, nice. little small orange yeah, Patriot, yeah. and oh, man, that was a game changer, that bike. I absolutely loved it. And after about a year on silos i got some boxes on it sweet and then it was like full down your rig and uh yeah that was I, I guess that was the first i think pete gave us that frame or maybe he just charged us fuck all for it but from there on it was pretty much under pete's wing yeah was that before that was before royal though before you were on the royal team yeah right? yeah 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 then from there on to royal orange yeah and that was with was that with brendan and Brendan, and Mark. Mark. I think Donnie had just left when I got on. Yeah. So had Rich Barlow. But I remember going to them Pierce races when I was younger. Because we used to do a lot of Pierce because like yeah. Midlands and that was sort of the closest. Because it was right when, was it Nams? Yeah, North. North yeah, they uh, just Mount sort of finished when I started riding. So right. we didn't really have that. So we go down, we either STA or... or Pay cycles, yeah. like so we'd go and do a pay cycles, and I always used to look up to the royal boys so much. They were just nice. like the coolest guys. I, mean, I remember getting on that team, I couldn't believe it, man. It was sick, yeah, man. You must have been stoked, especially riding with those two as well. I mean, that's yeah. a hell of a like crew to have around you, big time. Brendan, Brendan taught me so much, just inspired me. Brendan yeah. would come in and stay for a weekend, or I'd go down to his and like jumping mostly, right? I just remember him jumping. I'd there'd be doubles, I'd just been trying my whole life to clear and he'd barely even pedal and just boost him and whip him and be like where does that come How do you from do that, yeah. so did he actually like get, you know, teach you or was it just an inspiration do you know what I mean uh, no just to watch yeah. and be like <laughs> like whoa that is possible yeah. I think that's the thing as well a generational thing now often a bit of a tangent but like back then you'd have you'd have your DVDs yeah. and they'd be like you can't even tell on a video how sick something is. And it's so far out of context, you don't even, you can't really appreciate it or fully understand it, can you? Yeah, until you've been there and done it. But then, like, seeing seeing Brendan actually ride jumps was just like, I just remember that blowing my mind so much. But then also, Mark and Petey at, like, a training day once, when I was really young, I remember watching them two come through this real tight section somewhere. I went down and I spoke to Dad and I was like, Dad, I don't know if I ever want to be that fast. It looks so dangerous. <laughs> like watching him, I just couldn't comprehend how quick they were in and out of trees. I was like, that looks mental. Awesome. That's cool though, to get that inspiration at a young age and like have that to buzz off and push. Yeah, and... yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Nice. So you kept going and then yeah. pushed on. So Brendan then, while we're on that topic, like fast forward a good chunk of years and you boys are filming for Death Grip in Schlabming, which is one of the best things I've ever seen on video <laughs> and always gets me far too stoked to go and ride my bike. Um, how was it? Like, Talk us through that. Was it a couple of days or? Uh, yeah, I think it was. It was two or three days. And, mate, I was like, to be honest, I was nervous because... Since um, since that first encounter with Brendan, I've always like looked up to him so much, and uh, 
some of the riding I've seen him do over the years, man, World Cups. It's pretty insane. World Cups in Andorra when it was fresh and raw and he's just fucking dancing through it like, oh, ridiculous. So, to be honest, I was a little bit nervous because <laughs> I was like, shit, this fucking guy's following me. I've got to be on my absolute best form. Yeah, some pressure right there. And uh, I think it came out real well. I was... I was just like in awe of him whenever I got to see him do a bit and uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. Schladming's rad. It was a good combo. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, seeing seeing both of you get excited about each other's riding <laughs> is something that, yeah, we need more of. Like, we need more of you boys touring the world, riding the best tracks and uh, enjoying, it. enjoying it. Enjoying it. Yeah, super good. That's cool. the thing, isn't it? Not getting away from that enjoyment. It's key. Yeah. So while we're on video projects, um, talk about a couple of the other bits and bobs that you've done recently. So um, Gamble, we saw the premiere of that the other day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think by the time this podcast goes out, it will be just about to drop on iTunes. Yeah, not far off. Is Pretty it? close. Um, how was it? You and Craig? Mint. Fucking mint week. Another one would be Craig. Craig's an absolute sick rider and just a really funny lad to be around and Jobo, I've travelled with Jobo for years and then it was a good crew as well because it was Chris Seeger there doing a bit of filming okay. yeah. and also Mono obviously Yeah, and I've not worked with Mono before so that was funny because he's off his fucking box <laughs> so it was were, it were a good week and uh, I forgot my axle the day we got there, Shit. which was such a knobhead move. I couldn't believe it. I was like, open my bike back. And I just had this image of it sat on my toolbox. I was like, I've not even put it in. So I don't even need to look. I know it's not in. straight away. Yeah. And then having to drive around. So we sort of, we missed the first day, but we we grafted from then on. And it was absolutely wicked. Yeah. Craig was doing some mad stuff. And there's that one clip where... They only showed it once, and it so it goes so quick. But there's loads of like at that Ponte de Lima, mm. there's loads of natural sort of undulations in the tracks, and one of them was like you pump one thing. Well, there's like two step downs basically, but quite knuckle, quite yeah. sort of fierce knuckles yeah. on them. And uh, Craig was pre-opping the lip of a step down, and then doubling out, which was really gnarly and I was following him and uh, I had to follow super close for helmet cam to look good and all that and we come into it this one time and on the pre-op he slips a pedal and like tags the lip as he goes in and I'm like pulling up fully committed yeah. watching him just go down so hard underneath me and it was just like my heart I think stopped and I was just in the air like He's already nailed himself and I'm going to land on him and make it worse and this is going to be fucking horrible. But he managed to like ragdoll out of the way and I rammed his bike and it was all... He like gashed his hand pretty deep, pretty not nice, but he got away with it and he taped it up and was fired up back riding. <laughs> so yeah. Good effort. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Um, my, uh, yeah, my heart was in my mouth watching it. Yeah, fair play. Both of you got away with it. it was uh, yeah, something, something on our side that day. It was now like, crazy. Good stuff. good stuff. So let's go roll back then to um, to PE's taking you like under under his wing, and uh, you boys used to do like day day long road trips up to Inleithen and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when 
Yeah, he was on Orange, wasn't he? Orange, Pete's Orange days when Ooh. he was pretty, pretty strong yeah. up there. And uh, yeah, he'd just go and batter runs. He'd go and do 12, 13 runs somewhere and just like up at six, fly up to innings, just runs all day. I remember I'd, I'd just be so tired. Just like, I'd be tired when we got there. Like, I'd never get up this early. So we'd just ride and ride and ride. And then vomit home and it was just like, Typical PE, that work ethic, just graft, just fucking graft it out. And yeah, fair play. Yeah. What's it like? Because how old would you have been then? Like early teens or something? Yeah, 13, 14, 15 maybe. And how, so how was it like having days out riding with like effectively a hero, I guess? I'd just be really shy and weird, I think. <laughs> I'd just be like, oh my God, I'm repeating. And then he'd try and follow me. I remember it was so hard, he'd like follow me. And I'd just fuck up every turn. <laughs> I'd be trying so hard. I'd just be making a complete mess. And he'd just be like, tyre buzzing me. <laughs> Riding down the track, just a bit of a tyre buzz, shouting, shouting names at me. I'd just be like, full panic, just trying to go as fast as I could. Nice. But yeah, definitely brought something out in me. Yeah, well, a good way to get, like, to push your own pace, I guess, to have something like that hustling you. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, super good. And so it started to, it all started to come together, right? Through junior ranks, like, I yeah, it, was it two, two thousand and seven ish? Like coming into Fort William, you were probably favourite for junior world champ win. And we, I heard you were overtraining at that point, which I think a lot of people maybe that know the more chilled out Josh Bryceland of today, like overtraining feels. I'm so almost surprised, but you yeah, were, you were well, kind of beasting yourself back then, right? I was a hungry youth, really, and I think at the time I was sixteen. My dad was like, you can either work for a living yeah, or you can ride bikes and I'll... Oh, no, no. He was like, I was just made that up. He was like, you can stay in education right. and I'll sort you out. Okay. Or you leave education and you've got, you've got to work. Yeah. But he was like, if you work for me, I'll let you have a day off a week to ride. So I took that route and then, yeah, just really hungry to make a... a a job out of it and yeah. racing was I've, I think physically I found it tough as a coming through the age ranks when I was right. up against like Sam Dale yeah Joe Smith they were both quite naturally strong lads right and um I've always been super weedy mm-hmm. and uh strength something I've really had to work on right to sort of make any inroads and uh yeah I'd, I I think it might have been the beginning of that year or the year before but Pete had sort of said to me you want to you want to focus on one event and I'm I'm Wales was obviously the junior Wales was the one Fort William home yeah. World Cup and I just I just trained as hard as I possibly could and I, it was probably like Three, three weeks, four weeks before world champs, maybe a bit more. But I've gone out and done a sprint session just up the road here, and I was—I'd already been feeling knackered, and I was like, definitely verging on running myself down. Yeah. <clears throat> and I went out and did a load of sprints, and my last one just drained me that much. I just like rolled home, got in bed. I don't think I got out of bed for like three days. I was just empty and then like I couldn't it really 
I couldn't train hard for a good few years after that because I was just like, I'd get, I'd get keen, I'd like get feel like I was getting stronger. I'd do a race, I'd get levered at the after party, and then I'd just be fucked for ages. Weird. But I had like some mad like fatigue for a little bit. Yeah, and it, and then, but it didn't really like. I could still ride good, and I guess it just taught me a bit of balance. And the thing was, I'd always be like trying to train and go and ride and socialise, and I'd be trying to do everything. Yeah. So I, I was just always putting too much on my plate, I think. Cause That's fair play. Yeah. Were you, and were you getting any support from the training side at that point? Did you have like a plan, or were you kind of working it all out yourself? Uh, no, I was sort of working out myself. Yeah. I'd been giving tips off here, and uh, Pete had told me this, and the Kiffo used to... There was a hill called the Brickworks down the road, and uh he just used to say, go and pedal up that five times as fast as you can. <laughs> and I'd be like, all right, Fair enough. do two and come home like, fuck that. <laughs> awesome, good stuff. So then, was it 08? That was your world Junior World's first win, right? Where was yeah. that? What venue was that? Val de Somme. Oh, yeah, sweet. Val de Somme. Yeah, so it's, it was clicking. Yeah, so so the weekend after Fort Bill in, in 07. Yeah, 07, yeah. Um, it was Maribor. Yeah, and that I fucking love that track. The the terrain there is just wicked. It looks amazing. Yeah, I remember I had a bit of I had a bit of one on me because I just like there was a lot. Of Santa Cruz were at Worlds, and there was a lot of people expecting stuff. Yeah, I was this young guy, and it's always hard when you're young because you feel you got to prove yourself constantly. And anyway, I went to Maribor the next week, and I remember qualifying fourth, and I was just like. Oh my god, where did that come from? That's, and that's for that was when juniors and elite yeah, were yeah, combined, that right? were in the mix. Yeah. So then I like that was my first ever experience of being at the top of the hill when it goes quiet. <laughs> when there's not like twenty dudes on turbo trainers who are just like G over there, Sam over there, someone else, and me. Me with a banana water split in my shorts, and I was riding to the start, just like, I, what am I doing here? Awesome. Oh, funny. How did you get on at that race? Uh I think I finished ninth. Which I lost I lost some spots from McCauley, but I was fucking yeah, but made still, up. Yeah, as a junior in that, that yeah, field. I was made up and were you were you on Syndicate at that time? No, and that that result ah, scored okay. me my deal the following year. Right. Right. So yeah, tell us a bit about that. How did that all come around? Um basically I got an offer off gravity group which is who blanky rode for at the time okay blanky and is it mitch dell no oh no blanky and someone else pete uh the polish bloke anyway mm, yeah i can't remember um they offered me a deal and then <clears throat> pete told roscott and roscott basically matched it so i got nine thousand dollars Nice. For that must have seemed sweet at that <laughs> oh, age. Oh, like. mate, well, fuck, it was, it was more than I was getting. Yeah. So, yeah, I was absolutely chuffed a bit. And then, uh, yeah, and then that year, I managed to win World Champs. I'm a World Cup overall again. So I did that twice, but it didn't, yeah. And that, who was cool. on Syndicate when you joined then? So Petey, Minar, was Rennie still on? Rennie was on it, but me, yeah. and, me and Minar joined at the same time. Ah, okay, yeah. So we were like fresh, fresh on. 
Yeah. And then Greg was just like, fucking bullied me. Did he? For a year. <laughs> Bit harsh. Oh, so harsh, man. I used to hate his guts. Really? Like, what yeah. sort of stuff was he up to then? Just anything, mate. Just <laughs> absolutely anything where he could have a dig at me. Yeah. And I guess I was probably a little bit soft and dad had always looked after me. Right. I'd not been, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I'd worked for dad, so I hadn't had that apprenticeship good yeah, okay. digging yet. Yeah, so the, that was it. So it was good. I've, yeah. I've no I I don't hold it against him. It's it's what he felt he needed to do, and it's how it went. So <laughs> turned out all right, didn't it? Yeah. And how was it riding on the same team as Rennie as well? Right, he was a, a bit of a legend. Unbelievable, mate. Rennie, I think I've, I absolutely love that guy. The um, Rennie. I think the week after I won the World Cup, or a couple of days after it might have been before Norway. I hadn't heard from him for like two years. I hadn't heard from him for ages. And I get a phone call for a number in there. I'm like, hello, I'm way in bed on my boat. And he's like, how did it feel, mate? <laughs> like, Renoir! And he nice. was just buzzing and he just rang me out of the blue. Awesome. But yeah, so like, we'd go on, we'd always with the Santa Cruz thing, we'd go early in the year, pick up our new bikes. Yeah. That my first trip to California going and co- collected all our tea bikes and that and uh i remember waiting to go and do some pictures somewhere in a gravel car park and i was like trying to do some little cutties when cutties were like a new cool thing because yeah, yeah. ranking had just done his fundamentals <laughs> or whatever and uh Renny was just sat in the back of his pickup watching me I kept shaking his head and touch <laughs> i was thinking i was doing good so i was peddling to do a little thing he's like mate fucking go faster <laughs> and I'd like try again he'd just be like not having it then he just got on his bike and pedalled off up the road so I was like he must have got sick of watching me so I'm like messing around messing around and then he just comes steaming into this gravel car park and does like a 20 foot on the lock stop feet up drift across <laughs> the car park and just parked his bike up and sat down again <laughs> I was just like that man is a boss so nice. rad well you learned from the best right you had the be- some of the best well probably the best riders at the time for sure but they also knew how to party and have fun right <laughs> it must have been an amazing yeah. thing to be part of it was it was without a doubt the, uh, the syndicate kept it real there was a lot of um, downhill I think progressively got more serious throughout yeah. my career but the syndicate always kept it real. Yeah. They're a good crew. Yeah. And you must have had offers from, from other people that weren't the syndicate, right, throughout, I guess, especially as a result yeah. of progressing. Were you, were you ever tempted? Um, not really at all. Um, I think there was a point, there was one point in 2010, I think, or nine, when we'd just released the carbon bike. And uh, the large was too big for me. Right. And the medium was too small. And the gap between them was like 20 mil or something. It was yeah. quite a big. And um, I remember just having a nightmare of a season. I didn't I didn't qualify for my first World Cup ever at Champery. I was 81st. Whoa. And it hurt so bad. And I was just like, oh, this sucks. But I had to wait till I got a good result. And then I emailed Rob 
And I was like, it's back too fucking big, mate. So then they ended up making a new one for the year after, which fit, and I was absolutely buzzing. <laughs> but that was complete off on a tangent, and I can't remember but you, what you So, yeah, were you tempted to move to a different yeah, team? Yeah, no, not that, at all. Like... But I was just super disheartened, because I was like... I was thinking more about stopping racing, I think. Because right. I was having a real bad run, and I was a little stroppy fucker <laughs> I was like <laughs> but no Santa Cruz have been good to me yeah they've been sure. so good to me yeah I feel a, a strong loyalty even even though they've sold out to a corporation yeah which was kind of a shame but in the grand scheme of things that's the way a lot of businesses go in it and um now the marketing manager Will Ockleton's mm. left yeah I deal with um, Alan Cook, right? Who is like a fucking brother. He's honestly such a top lad. So no, he um, he totally understands and understands my where I'm coming from and what I want to do, and yeah. and just makes it so I can do what I want to do. So I've got so much respect for him. Yeah. He's a fucking legend. Nice, nice. Yeah. So results started to come. Like you were kind of working your way up through the elite men's field and top tens, top fives, but like that kind of top spot or the top three was kind of elusive for a while. And then something happened, right? Like you turned up in 2014 and <laughs> yeah. suddenly like things clicked. Like, yeah, do, yeah. You, do you know what happened? Do you have a feel for any, no. well, any changes or? The strangest thing was it didn't feel any different. Right. Like I was just doing the same thing I'd done yeah. my whole career, but it just felt easier and I was doing better. It was mad, mate. Weird. Just a total coming of age, I think. Right. You know, the thousand hours thing or whatever it is, but like yeah, yeah. I've practiced this that much. And I think as well, I'd been training with DC at that point, Dan Critchlow from Bergtown. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think it was like the end... It was like the third or fourth year I'd been training with him. Right. So my 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 body got used to what we were doing, and I had started to build strength, and okay. my fitness was slowly coming. In yeah, I don't know, just an aligning of a lot of stuff. Yeah, just a progression of everything, like big time. Yeah. We and were you feeling more like calm and confident at the races, like, or were you still? I'd say so. On? Also, another thing I had been doing, which was a, a massive one for me, I totally forgot about this. But he's seen a sports psychologist okay. from Sheffield Hallam Uni, and it's a guy who helped Steve win world champs in right. Canberra. Yeah, and he Rob Copeland is called, and he's an absolute geezer. And he just he kept it real simple with me because I think you can go as deep as you want in with that psychology stuff, but for a simple bloke, you got to keep it simple. <laughs> so I was, I think that. The, the years of practice of that and my training and all of it just seemed to all come together. What sort of stuff was he doing with you then? I'm fascinated by, by that side of things. The principles were really just like sticking the green zone. So if you if you envision your mental state as like a rev counter or yeah. a fuel gauge, you got your blue zone where you're yawning yeah. and you're not quite... You got your red zone where your heart... Yeah, you're going... Yeah. And, yeah, and, you, and, that, and you know, your red zone's usually like a try super hard and blow out a turn. Yeah. And your blue zone's like you're breaking in turns because you're not... And it's just finding that you got... If you got your head in the right place on the start, then you've got half a chance, haven't yeah. you? 
Interesting. So, yeah, that was a big thing, really. Did he give you any, like, techniques or tools to help that? Yeah, man? yeah, totally. Yeah. A lot of it to do with breathing or, okay. like, thinking of the process rather than the outcome. That was a massive one. Right. Because if you're there thinking, I need to win, I need to win, I need to win, you'd be red zoning. But if you're there thinking, right, I'm going to rail that left. I've got the inside on that right. I've been doing that well all practice. And put yourself in the process, which you know you can do. Yeah. So just like, it was super simple, but yeah. also super effective. And That's cool. Helped me a shitload. Yeah. Mental strength that year was a strong point. Typically, it hadn't been. Yeah. And I think it was something I had really struggled with coming up because I'd I'd always been a, a fast rider and my section speed was always cock on, but yeah. putting a run together was just pretty elusive. So Yeah, you always, it always looked like you could win, but you were almost too keen and yeah. blowing up. Yeah, exactly, making silly mistakes and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a massive one. Interesting. What was the breathing stuff then? Is it literally just like slowing just things down? Just long, slow breath. Yeah. If you feel yourself getting too fucking worked up, just get on the long, slow breath and nice yeah if it works yeah yeah good. so how did that season feel then because you know you've been working like you said you're a hungry youth you're yeah. working your way up for a long time showing ability but not quite putting it together and then suddenly it clicks right yeah Lear gang first win Lear gang not where you'd expect your first victory to be maybe not at all not at all but i think when i break it down it was like it was easier for me there because the track was so easy and it just right. seemed like kind of broke my heart, but I was railing so many outsides and there was loads of like gnarly insides and I was just outside, man. <laughs> and yeah, that was, it was mad. I didn't expect it. So I'd had a second in Canberra, right? which that fired me up. I think okay. that was a real good start to the season for me. Yeah. Getting second mate, I was like, right, sick. This is working. Yeah. Yeah. And that win was super unexpected. And did Bruni crash? Or uh, Bruni, when I won, Bruni fucked up somewhere. I can't remember that one. But Oh, yeah, maybe in the corner off those drops. Yeah, down the route bit, yeah, he yeah. did. And yeah. I think he would have been right on me. But um, I just remember my confidence growing. But I also remember we drank so much that year and I don't know why and it, I think it was maybe because the funny thing about the syndicate was like we always seemed to like if one of us did shit the other one would do good and I seem to remember Greg not having a very good year that year but so then he was also more on the booze right <laughs> we just drank we drank way too much do you and think I, do you think that helped though like is it part of that whole calm comfortable environment the fact that you're doing that as well as the racing yeah i think so i think it keeps it real i'm like one of the people who if everything's going too well i feel a bit weird it's almost nice to give yourself a bit of a handicap to work through i don't know <laughs> keep life real with a good hangover <laughs> yeah i don't know it was just part of the culture of the racing with Pete on the team. That was just what you did. You just sort <laughs> booze afterwards. And, yeah, it's a nice release, isn't it? It brings everyone together. We had some fun fun time. Yeah, so how was the Lear gang after party then? First win? Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't actually Fair play. remember. Was it Pete's 
100. I must have, yeah, we've been getting close, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or was that the year before? I can't even Lose remember. Track. You know what? I can't remember. Like, it must have been good. Cause I can't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, the confidence just grew, didn't it? And it, you could see it in your riding. Like, you, yeah. You looked relaxed. Yeah. Like, your whole... You didn't... Like, you looked fast through technical sections and bits where everyone else was pedalling. You'd just be kind of stood up and... I don't know, carrying so much speed. Like, have you... Did you change anything with bike setup, or was it literally just... No, but we did get the 650 bike that year, halfway through. Yeah. And I remember that thing felt amazing. And I think, we, yeah, that... It came at a good time. Yeah. Because we did Fort Will, Fort Bill, and Greg was analysing the results, and we were the only people not on 650 in the top 15. Right. And that was the reason we weren't on the podium, because <laughs> we weren't on 650. And he'd, like, completely created this whole fucking theory. And then I went and won on 26 <laughs> and that weekend, which was a fucking classic. But it was definitely a, a new bike buzz. Yeah. Combined with everything else. Yeah. Came good. And then you, uh, you had a, an awesome result in, it was Wyndham, wasn't it? You took the win there as well. Yeah. From Aaron in his... Uh, home country yeah yeah you look pretty stoked with that one that one felt good man that one felt real good because saint anna got second the week before yeah. and that was sort of for the first time ever i'd been unhappy with a second fair play which was a different feeling yeah. it was like usually i'd have been so fucking chuffed with a second i was like hmm. and then uh just remember Dro- troy dropping in before me and doing his little the handshake little handshake <laughs> That just motivated me. Like, wow, me up. I was like, you're getting it, mate. And usually I'm not that guy. I'm usually like, oh, my God, I've got to be good. But I remember just, yeah, confidence was on another level. It was mad. It's crazy, isn't it, how that, yeah. how that comes together. Like, And then, obviously, took the overall that year. Um, coming into Worlds, Hafiel. How did you feel? You must have been in a pretty good place. Uh, I was exhausted, man. The, oh, really? I, yeah, the pressure of the, the whole season had taken its toll. I, right. I had a week after um, Marybelle back here on the boat. Yeah. And I just remember being drained. I couldn't, like... I was buzzing, but I was just fucked. Yeah. And all week at Norway, I was just, like, couldn't really get myself up for it. Right. I was, like, I was going through emotions, and I was riding well. And everything was there, but mentally, I just wasn't like, I don't know. I just wasn't fully there. Yeah. Although everything was set, and and I <clears throat> I totally overlooked the bridge because I wasn't like racing that bit. I was just trying to do fucking tricks on the bridge every run. <laughs> yeah. So I hadn't even hit the bridge fast once. So it just shows I was sort of slightly... I wasn't on my game. Yeah, you weren't there. You weren't there to race, basically. No, you were just exactly. Taking part. Exactly. And then when I did my foot in the race, I remember thinking it was such a turning point. I remember thinking like, wank, like winning. I'd rather just not have a medal than have a broken foot, which was weird. But the transition had already sort of sort of started yeah. from like. Really wanting it to just like getting getting that getting that win in Mary 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 Bell, yeah, 
getting the overall win and then realising you can fucking invest so fucking heavily into, like, this thing and then you get this thing and then you're still just you at the end of the day, ultimately. Yeah. You're still yeah. the same person. Nothing, yeah. like, there's three or four days when your phone's blowing up, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then that goes and you're just you again and you're no further enlightened or anything. Yeah, it's you're not just like, like life is completed, is no, it? No, like, not at all. Not at all. So, yeah, it was funny. Funny the way it panned out. But so, it, inter- so you'd already started to feel different coming into Norway then? Like, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's crazy. Mad. So I think you're still probably the best ever result at world champs with a broken body, which is really impressive. <laughs> yeah. Like how, it must have been a pretty insane like feeling, you know, no, like, did you realise you'd weighed come? Yeah, and I didn't give a fuck. Right. I was like bothered. They were like, do you want to be on the podium? I was like, get my foot fixed. Like, right. I want to be out of here. I've just totally just like separated myself from it. It was yeah. mad. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, well, that's mad. Well, I and mean, when you're in pain as well, like the the chemicals in your body are different, and yeah, you feel it's a really different place to be when you're back, totally. here, isn't it? Totally. Strange. Yeah, that's super interesting. So you're sat in hospital, getting your foot fixed, sorting all that kind of stuff out. What's going on in your mind then? Are you starting to doubt, like, down it or? Mm, well, well, I think fortunately, but. The sort of the infrastructure around me, and mid-season, I think I'd already signed. I'd renegotiated my contracts, so I was locked into a deal for a few more years. Right. Yeah, and obviously, number one priority is get the foot fixed. Yeah, and then here comes the season. Am I going to be ready? And I just found myself rolling into another year. Yeah, caught in the... Yeah, but between that, there was definitely a lot of time sat on this boat where I I think I sort of just started thinking more about the world and myself and my racing. Yeah. And my, my awareness grew a lot in that little period of right. recovery. Yeah. So, like, being being the fastest and looking out for yourself as much as you can was was way more than that so i don't know it was definitely i was in some sort of transition (laughs) it was like but the season the season gave me something to focus on and something to come back for and and get my foot better for which was a long hard road man that was like it was a nasty injury right yeah pretty much smashed it yeah it was like eight breaks eight dislocations and a load of other snap ligaments oh man it was a mess yeah and it still is a funny shape for right and it, <laughs> and it hurts in the morning really it is. yeah every morning it's like stiff so I compensate on my other leg and my missed calf's massive from limping and this one doesn't get worked as much so it's like definitely some so long lasting effects yeah still it, feeling the effects yeah you know, nothing like it doesn't yeah it's not a bad it's not you bad you can still ride pretty well off, yeah so. it doesn't affect my riding yeah. I can run yeah. I love to run I was worried I wouldn't be able to run but I got running again which was sick that's good yeah Was it? and was there anything in this like transition that you talk about was there anything you kind of read or heard that that's you know started those thoughts is there anything that stands out like oh I read a specific book and it 
it made me feel a bit different <laughs> about stuff or yeah what what was i reading at the time there's a lot going on at the time so <laughs> my memory's not that great <laughs> i think it was more i don't know what was that i can't even remember might have been about them when i read uh, Yvonne Chinar's book, The Patagonia Boat. Oh, like, so let, my, let our people surf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just more, just basically more about the planet, caring more about the planet than, yeah. than your personal sort of goals or achievements. Yeah. Or trying to combine both, you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. Did you almost, I almost sense that you started to feel a bit guilty about the, yeah, you know, that self, that yeah. kind of, yeah, focus on yourself and your performance and no kind doubt. of nothing else. Which you have to be to be at that level, right? I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's real hard to balance. I feel like there's um a lot of the people I've been close to who have been successful. Pete yeah. is Pete is a one off. Pete is a sharer. Like he's a grafter but he's a sharer. Yeah. And he is a super generous guy and I've got nothing but respect for the giving, the giving, what I've received from him, man, which has been such a good example and helped me to sort of have a bit of that about me as well. But yeah, I think to be successful, you've got to be real selfish yeah, in a yeah. lot of respects because you've got to say no to a lot of stuff and you've got to look out for yourself first. And if we had a nation of people who did that, we'd be not a lot of people getting on or doing good stuff so yeah good good job it's reserved for the athletes to be like that isn't it? <laughs> it's all good it's all good so what what point during that season then did you start to realize that maybe it was time for you to to get out of the downhill side of things like because your results it was a slow start i guess getting your foot back sorted but then yeah. you started you know you started to get back to the top end again right yeah 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 and i think i sort of more had to prove to myself than anyone that i could get quick again after having such a bad one yeah or that I still had it I don't know but I I remember that year fondly the first race was super tough in Lords because I was still in a lot of pain yeah and I hadn't had much bike time at all but yeah I had a good year but it was a one after that 15 it was 16 but yeah that was your last yeah when I got half I did the first race in time qualifying I was hauling time practice I was hauling yeah. And qualifying, I'd like, my first split was like fifth, and then I crashed, and then I was like 20. And then Ross Scott was texting Kathy, just like, feed them fucking dog food. <laughs> like, super aggressive because we weren't doing well. Yeah. It's like, we're trying our best, mate. <laughs> like, we're honestly not tossing it off. And then I got to Fort Bill, and my mindset had just switched, and I was like, it was a real fast, rough year, and dry and skatey and uh i think i nailed myself twice in practice trying to do whips <laughs> like <laughs> not getting it back <laughs> but i was just like scared of a track right i was scared of a track and i come home and i said to my dad i was like dad i really didn't enjoy it i was like i was at the top of my run and i didn't want to race it was weird and dad just starts laughing at me and he's like ha ah. You think you're fucking suffering, don't you, you spoiled little fucker? And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. Like, here's me, I don't want to race. How many people would die yeah, of that true. opportunity? Yeah. And then 
But I just sort of, I took it all on board and sort of tried to start making plans to how. It just, it, it, I don't know. My competitive, my, I'm still competitive. Yeah. But my World Cup race head had gone. It, it gone so yeah. I was like, the, the, the team is so good and so focused and supportive. And all these people, fans, fucking anyone who gets in touch and like says good luck and all, all these people want it so much for me. And I don't even want it. And it felt dishonest. I was right. like, I need to get out of this because I'm sort of, I'm kidding everyone. Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to win. And they all want me to win. And this is fucking weird. I need yeah. to stop this. You know yeah, what I mean? Play. That must have been really hard though. Because like you say, you've got so many, you know, thousands of people, money, companies behind you. Infrastructure. Yeah. We're traveling around the world to go and do something. You know? yeah. It's, yeah. Were you, were you scared of it? Like, because it's a big decision, right? Or did uh, it just feel... I was, I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I was sort of in a place where I felt like everything would work out just fine, whatever happened. Yeah. But then when it came to like the negotiating, that was the scary bit because Santa Cruz initially didn't know what to think and I think right. they thought I was just going to come on my boat and fucking <laughs> never do anything <laughs> again. So they were worried they were going to lose me completely right. and didn't know what to do regards salary and it all it all got a little bit crazy for a few months but basically yeah. uh it wasn't scary it all played out perfect yeah and, and i the, the tough thing is I've, i always struggle with the feeling like i've disappointed people because there's a lot of people who still still write on my instagram or message me when are you coming back to world cup we miss you we need you blah blah, blah. and that's like Real hard for me because I'm like, I'd love to give you that, but I'm, it's just not there. So yeah, it's and it's a, you've got to be happy, right? You're only on this planet for, sure, for a short period for of time, sure. really. So you got to do and what's back right. to that thing. Yeah, it's like what I've learned over the years. Maybe sometimes you do just have to be a little bit selfish in some areas. So fuck it. Yeah, it's picking yeah. your time, isn't it? It's picking yeah. your time. But you're going to be a better person on this planet if you're happy, right? Exactly, so, exactly. It's got to be worth it. I guess people are. Uh, yeah, I get it. I understand why people are sad to see you go from downhill, but we still see you, right? You're still riding a bike. Yeah. Still getting creative. Yeah. There's still plenty of stuff out there. Is Absolutely. It, do you ever look back and, uh, I mean, are, are there any regrets? Like, do you ever miss the downhill side? Uh, I miss the people. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people who I wish I saw more regularly, but at the same time, there's a load of people now I see more regularly than I did yeah. so it swings and roundabouts isn't it you trade a bit for, you you trade a little bit of something for a bit of something else and generally the mountain bike community is pretty rad yeah. and the enduro scene which is what I've been dipping into is quite different and totally lovable because it's new and uh, I feel I'm getting more out of that than I ever did downhill really just because I ride for five hours for three days yeah rather than five runs for three days and fitter seeing new places and yeah yeah tell us so when i when i look at it like that i don't miss it at all but i still absolutely buzz off the times i had so yeah yeah you've been at the top yeah it's good got had the experience but uh, yeah i know you know the parties the friends hanging out with brooke <laughs> i miss brookie seeing and then like seeing and Bruni, Bruni's a 
such a genuine dude. Such a genuine dude. And uh, oh, there's countless people. I'm lucky to still see a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So how is the enduro scene treating you then? Everyone I've ever spoken to that's involved in it seems to love it. Like it, it's like yeah. a family, right? Well, not yeah, the down yeah. isn't, but it's you're you're together riding. The vibe different. Yeah. You sort of you can get in a in a gondola with someone at Fort Bill and be sat opposite each other with your headphones on for five minutes, staring at the floor, thinking about your lines because it's that intense and you're all that stressed yeah. and it's some fucking gnarly situation. And then you go to an EWS and you ride around with a dude for five hours and you talk about everything and you get to know everything. You get to the, I'm just buzzing to make it round. You know what I mean? So the sense of achievement of doing a day is big and nice and it's like it's a day out on my bikes with a bit of a community and it's yeah. just closer to that what we were talking about earlier it's what we're about isn't it yeah. it's just a little bit closer having to having an that. adventure and yeah we were talking before we pressed record we were talking about I was saying for me I think I got into riding I rode bikes as a way of having adventures I didn't ride bikes for bike's sake and then the bike sort of took over and I lost to some extent the adventure side yeah and i think what you guys do with 50 to 1 and what enduro does as, as a sport i guess is starts to bring some of that adventure back totally into mate it. totally yeah yeah it's super yeah it's, it's cool it's just rootsy it's like it is it's fucking it, it's nice man and how like that but it still manages to blend that with a competitive element right and you, you say you still got a, an, an, an element of comp- competitiveness about you like what what's your do you have goals for ews or is it just a case of going along and enjoying it i usually just sort of roll up and then we'll practice and i'll be like that stage i've got no chance (laughs) because it's got a climb of two minutes (laughs) in it but that one on the other hand i'll have a good do at him and then just sort of play it like that okay so some stages you ride and some stages you race almost yeah and well and i try and race them all but Honestly, I can't get my head around how Sam does it on flats. It is fucking mental because <laughs> he is a strong lad. But yeah, the um, I feel like it took me however many years to get good at downhill. Yeah, if I've committed to enjoy it, it'd probably be similar because there's so much to learn. Because you've got to be like, not only are you double hanging than downhill, you're on a lesser bike and you've got to make it last. So there's so many elements to it, and but then again, the 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 places you find find yourself in when you're that tired and you're like using your intuition, and you don't really know what's around the next corner, <laughs> but you can kind of feel what's coming because yeah. you've read the terrain, and it's pure, man. It's fucking pure. It's nice. Nice. And you've had some. You have a second to Sam in was it Colombia? Yeah. On one of the stages. Yeah, yeah. So you could. Yeah, you could probably I, take it. I feel that my um, my track speed's as good as anyone's. I'm, uh, I'm still quite confident. I feel like my riding's as good now as it's ever been. Right. But with with the uh, with like fifty to one and the filming, <clears throat> my training isn't as committed as it could be. Right. So I think I I do, and I haven't been in the gym. I was thinking about this. I haven't been in the gym for like since the winter of 15 maybe I don't even know if I went in for last year or down 
So I'm a while out of the gym. Right. I've just been doing yoga. And with the long pedaling, yeah. my physiology has changed so much, man. Interesting. Like I can spin for hours. Like yeah. My endurance has massively improved. Right. But to have that fast, that sprint in you as well, you know what I mean? You, you need to work hard for that because it's too it's too hard things to gain at the same time. Like yeah. I've got to put the gym hours in, which I haven't been, but I've been justifying it by filming. So it all, it's all there. I That's love it. It's all good. Yeah. And yeah, I'll take my little stages. And there's part of me wants to like, part of me wants to commit to a season of Enduro because I think it would be rad. But then I've got it so good at the moment and there's such a variety, you know, and I'm just dipping in, like not doing a full series probably makes me enjoy it way more when I do do it. Yeah. So we'll see where it ends up, but yeah. So is there a little bit, sounds like there's a little bit of hunger still there for uh, some kind of outlet of that uh, competitive yeah. side. But then, yeah, yeah, totally there is. But old habits die hard. And when I was in Chile, I nailed myself. And I'd like, it was the first day and were three stages. And stage one, I did 13 for something. And I felt super chilled. And stage two, I had a crash and it was 17. It was a mega long. That was like the 20 20 plus, minute. yeah. And then we had like an 800 meter climb up this uh, tarmac road in the sweltering heat. <laughs> Altitude as well. And then, then the last stage of the day, and then Alan, at lunch, Alan was like, yeah, you're doing good. You're like, top 15. So I was like, that little fucking man in my head was like, come on, you've got this. <laughs> and and then the competitiveness brought on a big slam and I slammed so hard and I whacked my head and I was laying in the dirt and I was just like, oh, I don't want to move. It's so nice just being here <laughs> on the floor. And the race didn't matter. And it was kind of a little, I don't know. I never know what to read from the messages that come, but it felt <laughs> like something was going on. Don't get too caught up. I don't know. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, was the universe telling you yeah, to just chill just out a chill bit? chill out, or? yeah. Yeah. So, mm. fuck knows. <laughs> fuck knows. Uh, it, for me, I love it, because every time I see a photo from you at EWS, there's just a massive grin on your face. And if that sums it up, like, that's what riding bikes is all about, isn't it? Having yeah, fun and getting exactly, loose and exactly. enjoying And it. when you separate yourself from that competitive eagerness, you can enjoy it just that little bit more. Yeah. And you never know if that brings out better in you anyway because you're not tight. And so it's all a balance in it. But yeah, so, yeah, for sure. And it's, and it's nice that you can go to an event like that and have a good time as a rider and still like you get your results at the end of it so you can have that competitive thing if you want or you can yeah. just go for the enjoyment and well and the, and the great thing for me is like i see i get the events like that are where all the media is so me loose is on it loose goes and does his finds a stump to foot plant and does his things and yeah. gets as much coverage as any fucking yeah true leading dude and it's like and he's doing it with a big grin and, and when I get to see a load of fans too and it's it's nice, man. It yeah. is nice. Yeah, we were, so we were talking briefly before we hit record about that, that almost fame, I guess. So it's, you know, the mountain bike world is a, it's still a small world, but you're a recognisable guy. Uh, you don't kind of blend into the crowd. What What's it like when people are kind of, you know, they recognise you, they want to speak to you or they want a selfie or whatever. Like, how's that feel? It must be weird. 
Yeah, it depends on the environment. It's like if I'm at a race or if I'm somewhere, I'm usually half expecting it and it sounds, but it's like the normal day stuff when someone spots me. And some people just like, the other thing is what's mad, I was at a guy in the co-op before I was coming here, he was like, hey, what are you doing? And just literally, like, we'd known each other 10 years. And that was wicked, because we just chatted and vibed it out, and it was fun. Sweet. But then other times, I'm, like, feeling shy, and I don't know who we are, and it's all nervous, and I just get super weird, and it's just like, what is going on? And, yeah, it's all, yeah, it's a trip, sure. Something, I, like I said, I never get used to, but... And in Colombia, pretty full-on, right? The, the crowds are insane. Oh, my word. Chile seemed mad. Right. Before Chile was busy, because it was like probably an hour from Santiago, and Santiago was massive. Yeah. But in Manizales, we were literally like in the city. Like the urban race was in the city, and yeah. the stage was like 10 minutes up the road. So, okay. And the population was even bigger there, it seemed. So the rad to see biking so healthy, but like I was washing my bike. <laughs> just just people grabbing me and selfieing and just like it was fucking nuts I was like jet washing them off <laughs> like carrying on and then more and come and it was just fucking bonkers man it was absolutely bonkers but you're saying you almost missed the stage start because you were like having to chat to everyone and get photos and yeah yeah it's yeah crazy but, yeah they have no they have no sort of uh perception of where you're at in your day or what's going on they're just like ah homing on you ah! and you're just like fuck just like oh, i can't tell them i'm late and fuck them off i've just got to do it and then there's more rolling in it just gets crazy it's cool well you're probably one of well you could well be the most recognizable mountain biker on the planet i guess like it's probably between you and Petey, right these days i've no idea i've no idea but sam was <laughs> Sam was having a bit of trouble with it oh, as well. Really? Not trouble, but he was, <laughs> he was fucking struggling because Sam's a super quiet guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty <laughs> so, chilled. So I think he was having a hard time with it as well, which just makes him laugh. Yeah, added pressure on a race weekend. Like, mm. maybe you don't need it when you've got, like, obviously he's focused on the series overall. Big time, big time. That's a lot of added uh, pressure having yeah. people wanting a piece of you. Well, that, that 800 metre climb I talked about in Chile was the one, it's the main road to the resort from the city. Right. And whilst he was pedalling up that, people were rolling in and Mark was near him. And Mark was like, there wasn't a car that went past who didn't scream his name. And the road was busy. Yeah. And I was just, but at the same time, all that energy has got to put him in a good spot, like for, yeah. I don't know, the support of it all and, yeah, you get must buzz off it, like yeah, the yeah. crowd and all, yeah, like people yeah. shouting your name and that. Yeah. So talking about crowds, Steel City downhill last weekend, awesome turnout, sun was out. What is Petey doing? Has he got some jazzy French lines up there? He still managed to smoke you boys. Like, I, Do you know what? This year I'd actually counted him out. Like, <laughs> last year he didn't win, did he? And I was like, that's it. Petey's old, he's done. <laughs> And then he fucking had two fat elbows as well. Yeah, he's in hospital this yeah. week getting his, some infection in his elbow yeah. sorted, right? So he was already in the thick of that. He said he, the night before he didn't sleep because he was sweating because he was full of that infection. Jeez. And I was just like, yeah, Peter's got no chance. <laughs> and then off he goes and just... Anyway, he did one practice run as well. He did Seriously? one practice run. 
any idea how he's doing it like because he was it wasn't just by a little bit like he had a good a second, chunk yeah, on a track that's just bit. over a minute he uh i've no idea how he does it <laughs> sheer grit and determination yeah it's impressive isn't it <sighs> very because you were like you looked focused certainly in your second run like you yeah. were pushing oh. on the weird thing was my first run i was chilling the second run i tried so hard and I think I went slower. Oh, really? <laughs> like, it's a ma- so it's one of them tracks. You, yeah. It's hard to know what's quick and what's not. And yeah, he just like a fucking pump track. knows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's full pumping. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's as if he's got like a secret line that they open up when yeah. he comes down for his run. Mad. Amazing. Mad. Cool. But yeah, great event, right? Like, super good fun. I uh, I really enjoy that event. It's sick. Yeah. It's, uh, and I don't even go there... I, I struggle with them little races I struggle to get my race head on a little bit because I'm just enjoying enjoying the whole thing too much yeah, yeah. I just think it's rad how many people it brings out and yeah like 3,000 3, in the crowd or something something like that insane yeah cool and you've got a new there's a new film out this week 9 to 5 covering like the Santa Cruz Enduro crew at the first couple of rounds of EWS Alex Rankin that most of us that are my age remember like the sprung videos from back in the day it was super cool to see that kind of you know that race and uh, lifestyle and scene thing coming back and some awesome tunes uh, tell us a bit about like how that all came together because it's through fabric right yeah yeah fabric nick larson uh i don't know how to explain really but he's He's got his finger on the pulse. He just seems to know what's good and what's not. And he, uh, where did he send ranking with us first? Oh, we did the edit down at Wind Hill. Oh, yeah. Back, yeah, 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 a few months ago. And uh, it was a buzz just to be out with ranking again. So when when Alex, Alex messaged me saying, there might be a chance I could come out. So I hit Alan up straight away. And I said to Alan... Ranky wants to come out, what's the crack? Is there any room? Have you already booked or is there a spare bed? Or And Alan just replied, we'll make it work. <laughs> and I was just like, yes. Exactly. So like, don't matter, we'll make it work. And as it happened, the accommodation in Chile was super tight anyway. <laughs> but just Rankin's a fucking legend, man. He's, he's, uh, he's a fun guy to have around and... I've so much respect for his work. Watching him edit and seeing how, it's, even when he thinks he's fucked up, he's like, "Oh yeah, I was I was on my way up here, but then you guys came, and then he's still just, I don't know, he's he's got that experience, and it's yeah, like yeah. He, he knows what he's doing, and I, he kept sending me drafts of the film yeah. before it come out, and I never really had any input for him other than how much I loved it. <laughs> he was like trying to bounce it off me to see if there's anything he could improve. I'm just like, mate, it's sick. So yeah, he's Yeah, because you're listed as co producer on the on the on the outro of that video, right? <laughs> that <one is>. yeah. <laughs> he did text me saying my co producer, that's <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> well I think he just uses me as like 
he was putting them tunes on it and he's sending them tunes and he's like, is that tune? We can't really use that tune, can we? And I'm like, yes, we've got to use that tune. It's fucking sick. He has got amazing taste in tunes on videos. Like, it's always been bang on. He nails on. it, doesn't yeah. he? He so fucking good. nails it. But he's, yeah. Yeah, I fucking legend. I've, he's super funny guy. And is there more of that coming then? Is that going to be like a little series? Yeah, we're going to try and do a series. I've been talking to Nick about it over the last few days and it's still... Alex was going to go to the EWS this weekend, but we want to do it more of like... The beauty of it was, like, the characters on it, like, yeah. us all talking about each other. and Yeah, that was really nice. It's like a bit yeah. of a behind-the-scenes-y feel, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, And um, so what we want to try and do is take different characters to okay. different events yeah. and do a similar thing. Nice. So we'll take, yeah, anyone under the fabric name. And, and Nick was basically like, if there's, someone, if there's someone you buzz off and you think, oh, my God, We'll just give them as many seats as they want and get them to come. I'm like, fucking sick. Sweet. That so, sounds awesome. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely some uh, some fun times ahead. Nice. So, so it doesn't just have to be EWS focused. It could no, be other no, events. No, no. And... That's the thing. I think we're going to try and do one at the Mega. Yeah. We did the Mega for the first ah, time sweet. last year and that week is something else. Special time, isn't it? Yeah. So so I think that'll be the next one, hopefully, the Mega. Cool. And then what else was we talking about? Yeah, what what other events are you doing this year then? So you're going to do a few of the EWSs? Yeah, I've got... Um, what have I got? There's one before the Mega, the Austria one. Oh, yeah. The Austria one, and then the Mega, and then La Tuile. Yeah. And then I might try and get to Hookfest, which okay. is Macken's Norway right. Fest series, because we did that um, Loose Fest last year, and that was such a buzz, man. There's some ridiculous stuff, oh. right? Did you go with Craig? Yeah. Yeah. How was it then? Go on, tell us a bit about, about oh, that. Oh, man, that was, uh, that was the scariest. I, we had, I had to get pissed the night before <laughs> to get to sleep. Fair I was like, oh, no, I'm not having a sleepless night here. I need a nightcap or something to put me out. Because <laughs> we got there, man, and you see, like, there's a load of bike parky stuff in the zone and there's yeah. like tabletops. There's like a 20 foot tabletop here. And then behind it, there's just a mountain of landing looming. And then take off so far away, it's just like, <laughs> oh. So yeah, it was uh it was a new experience. It was extremely scary, but extremely rewarding. I've not felt that sort of rush. Off bikes for a while. Yeah. Who who led you in? Did someone drag you in first run? No, you don't sort of follow because it's right. a bit, it's a bit gnarly. Okay. You sort of do trains once you once you're comfortable with them. Okay. But someone just sort of says they're so well built, man. Nico Vink is a wizard. Eve. You don't even need to hit it with a shovel. The way they get him and his mate, what's his mate called, Christoph. Mm-hmm. The finish they get is like shiny. With a bucket of a digger, they're like, oh, right. it's all machine built. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, basically, I had to drop in, break a little bit, do like a couple of shark fins breaking. And then, if you got that like step down out the berm to the top of a landing, if yeah. you landed good at the top, you just had to commit and that you were in. <laughs> and then I found out that I had to pull off it. 
and like you hit him with that takeoff probably as fast as you've been on a bike you know what I mean like yeah. imagine bombing some mad shit in the Alps somewhere like remember Mon- just being a lit like Monsonan kind of speed yeah. like yeah Jeez. it's crazy so yeah it was it was absolutely nuts but super well built yeah did one Kate like lily pad the lily pads are like probably 10 foot long right like they're like that and then like that aren't okay they? so you got a nice yeah get little, out of jail free exactly, card exactly like. exactly so pulling to get to that then speed tucking them <laughs> pulling again and it's just insane it's absolutely nice. insane and you, it must be in the air for like a good few seconds yeah right? I was feeling like long you're enough to know about it you're up there yeah and you kind of got to take off front wheel up because it is that long in the air. If you if you come off a lip like level, yeah. By the time you get to the landing, your nose heavy. Okay. So you have got to lift front wheel high, and then it slowly balances out. It's a different feeling, man. It's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So you're going to come back to one of those events then? Yeah. So fancy another one of them because yeah. that was fucking awesome. Yeah. And then. What else? Whistler. For Crankworks. Yeah. Oh, and doing the J Crankworks as well. Nice. You're going to race down at those yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Going to do down. Only Leger. Yeah. Not at Whistler. Yeah. Just do the Enduro at Whistler and whip off and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, there's two downhills at Leger this year. With two last mm. year. I had a third at one of them last year for Greg. Greg was second, <laughs> but he was stinking hungover and I tried real hard and he beat me. I was like, you fucker. I he was having you. a pretty good season though, to be fair, wasn't he? He was in he a good was, place. He was. He was. He was riding high, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So you're still watching the downhill then, like? Funny, last year I sort of didn't really. I felt weird about it, but I couldn't wait to watch Lozenge. Yeah. And, uh, I felt like... It's nice being on this side of it. I didn't yeah. really. It's a good sport as a spectator these yeah. days, like with all the yeah, yeah. coverage and. I know the coverage is sick. Yeah, it? it is real good. The track looked gnarly. I didn't envy them. No, that looked hard work. It did look hard work. Yeah. A sprint into the technical and then more sprinting. Just... Yeah, it's about as hard as it gets, I reckon, physically, yeah. like pretty horrible I had mixed report as well because Pete was buzzing off the track. Pete right. was like fucking old school man. Yeah, I loved it. Brendan was like fucking horrible, <laughs> <laughs> so so I was like, oh, all right, split people a bit. Yeah. yeah, that was interesting. So, who's your money on for the season? Then you got got Phil, men's and women's. Uh, I was I thought um, Jack Moore would be further up. What happened to him? They had a good. They all see, they all qualified pretty well, didn't they? Yeah. Because I watch his videos online and I think, wowee. Yeah. Like, he's... He's insane on his the bike. like, his relaxedness at the yeah. pace he's moving at is ridiculous. Yeah, he put something on Instagram this week that literally blew my mind. Like, the speed he was carrying just looked and, so and scary. And just the shapes in the... the... Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, keen on him. Absolutely keen on him as a rider. I think he's a sound guy as well. And then... Uh, Brooko yeah I want Brooke to do real well and I feel like we're seeing a different Brooke yeah for sure he's, like uh, you, usually if the tapes are here he's bouncing off the left <laughs> bouncing off the right 
fucking tucking the front, getting it back up and then off the left again and then into the turn. <laughs> but he was just looking precise mm. and refined, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, for a course where you'd imagine him to be trying to break the course, yeah. he looked so smooth. Totally. Yeah. Just felt like he was so unfortunate getting caught out by that scrub. It looked like something hooked, yeah, hooked tell, his back really. wheel and dumped him in or yeah. something, but... Hopefully he's healed up for Fort Bill. Yeah, looks he's like he's got some life. form. Yeah. Cracked me up how he rode down and was waving to the fans <laughs> with a bus collarbone. It's just yeah, like, you're play. a fucking animal. Yeah, because he'd been down trackside for a while, and he? He's yeah. clearly hurt. Like, yeah. Was a, that was a fair effort, getting down, especially getting down that track as well. Like, It's not like rolling down a fire road, is it? Yeah, he's a fucking yeah. nutter, isn't he? Now, that'd be good to see how he goes at Fort Bill yeah. in a few weeks. yeah. Yeah. And then, I don't know, Danny's on a new bike, isn't he? Yeah, see how he gets on with that. Obviously, like to see the Syndicate boys do well. Pump for Luca. Yeah, That man. was sick. That was so really cool. So, more of that coming. Yeah, happy days. Yeah, there's there's so many people that can win, eh? Like, it's, yeah. it's exciting times. Yeah, it's stacked, yeah. isn't it? It's stacked field, man. Yeah, it'd be hard to compete. Like, top 15 is, well, maybe more. Like, yeah. It's 15 Lots. riders that can win, probably. Totally, so. totally. Yeah. What about in the women's then? Have you got a feel for that one? Like, I must be honest, I've not really paid a great deal of attention to it. But uh, did Rach get beat? Yeah, Miriam won and really? looked looked amazing as well, like super smooth. Did she? Yeah, Miriam's always had a good style, hasn't she? Yeah, I'm sure Tani could do well as well. Tani looks like she's going good on a slice of pie match. She's got a bit of. Yeah, she's got some style about yeah, her. Yeah, she has. It's cool. Got mo- it seems like she's got way more movement on the bike. Like a lot of the women seem to get locked into like the straight arm thing almost. Uh-huh. But Tani's like super active. So is Miriam. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that's got to be a good thing. Moving so, around on the bike. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. We've uh, we've been chatting for a while. Let's sort of round it out with a couple of little bits. Let's uh, touch on what 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 do you think mountain biking is doing well at the moment? Like, where's the scene at as far as you're concerned? Um, I think it's doing well in its diversity. I mean, it's growing. Yeah, Every, for me, only from what I see, but I guess I see quite a lot events wise yeah. and just locally like the riding scene locally is booming as good as it's ever been there's trails everywhere there's people digging everywhere can't go to a spot without there being people there yeah which is absolutely sick and for a time it was like i remember when i was racing down it was like fucking joro they're gonna take our money that was greg's attitude like but that everything seems to be just finding its own little place and settling in nicely and i mean there's room for everyone isn't there yeah for sure and there's more and more people making a living out of it and yeah and enduro has created some awesome bikes for us to all get around on word hasn't it just the thing like that eye tower when i go uplifting now i'd take that I'm just like it's just smashing into it anything, everything, but I can yeah. pedal it just as comfortably. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Isn't it? Bike of dreams, man. It's yeah. sick. So, but yeah, what's it doing well? Everything just. I guess with growth comes vloggers and stuff like that. But <laughs> like I said, I'm sure there's room for everyone. And yeah, yeah. There's so there's been a bit of bad press, I guess. Some of the 
races sort of not maybe not that happy about marketing dollars going to what people sort of term lifestyle athletes but to an extent i guess that's kind of what you're almost a lifestyle athlete right you're not going to races for the result you're not going for the win maybe you're going for the stage here and there but you're you know getting a salary because you're doing great stuff in biking and people buzz off it and that sells product how, how do you feel about that kind of that tension between you know dollars going to racing versus dollars going to people just riding bikes and doing good stuff <laughs> it's really tough man i feel like number one i mean be true to yourself getting where you fit in do your thing and uh if that's means you can earn a living that's fucking great for you and if not it's probably gonna cause a bit of bitterness for people who are who you maybe yeah. feel don't deserve it but yeah it's a tough one isn't it and i also know that there's beyond races like a load of guys local to me the hockenals for instance i mean they get free 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 frames or whatever their deal yeah. is and fucking sam or Dave, whatever you want to call him, Hockenall, yeah. is one of the most talented bike riders I have ever fucking witnessed. So, I mean, I just don't think we should ever be any tension. If someone's doing something you're not happy with, stop focusing on them and yeah. do better at what you do. And it's yeah, fair comment, I think. Yeah, and it's cool that, and I guess it's social media that enables it. But you you can now you don't have to race to be part of the scene and to get money and kit to mm. do it right you and, can... and i think that is ultimately a wicked thing because obviously it depends what level you're racing at and what level of racing you're doing but and there's, there's no doubt some serious camaraderie between a lot of the downhill racers but there's also a lot of them who don't have that camaraderie right. and they see it as they're racing them yeah and there's this fucking clear divide in someone who you're racing and a friend. Right. And I've had that and I felt it and I won't name names, but I'm sure people could connect the dots. And it's <laughs> like, you know, fuck, fuck any of that grief between us when, yeah. what, you know, it's a load of bollocks. So I think if, as, as good as racing is for bringing out the best in people's performance, I think it can be bad for turning people against each other through for no reason. Like, not yeah. that it turns people against each other. Well, it, you know, what I mean? it seems you to. Even though that. you're racing the clock, it does seem yeah. to. Yeah, it can have that effect on yeah. the wrong people. Yeah, no doubt. So cool. interesting. Yeah, but yeah, mountain biking feels like it's in a in a real good place. Anything you would change about them, the mountain bike world these days, if you could uh, fix a few things. Uh, I think punctures wouldn't be a thing and I also think um, the forces that be of SRAM mm-hmm. and Shimano would fucking just stop being such greedy fuckers and invest in gearbox or gear hubs Okay, <laughs> because why on earth we're still strapping a 200, 300, 500, whatever dollar piece yeah. of technology to the lowest, rarest point of our bikes absolutely baffles me yeah. to no end. Like, well, 
it doesn't baffle me because I know they're all making mad money off it. But I can't believe we as the people of I don't know, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's Stuff true like actually. That, but just to be more just if 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 the industry as a whole could be more aware of the planet and the effect we have on it because yeah. Ultimately, if we didn't have the beautiful planet to ride our bikes on, we'd be fucked. We wouldn't have anywhere to do it. Obviously, we'd all be dead. But <laughs> like, you're packaging, you buy a, you buy something, and it comes wrapped in a plastic bag and another plastic coat on a cardboard thing, and just all those little things like that. Probably, yeah. Just try and green it up a bit. Yeah. And there's a lot of companies trying to go that way. Yeah, there's, Which a few, is ace, but there's a just, few good ones out there. Just for fast sure. forward it a little bit. Just yeah. just hit a button and fast forward to mad eco green companies. That'd nice. be sick. Yeah, there's not it's not a lot of it in the bike world, I guess. Like there's yeah. a, a lot of people are moving in that direction. Certainly in my group of friends, like a lot of people are reducing plastic and yeah. shopping more locally and yeah. trying to buy veg that's not in like fifteen different yeah foil things and all that jazz but yeah there's not much in the bike side of stuff i guess no and i think probably a lot of it is because it comes from a country far away where the laws and things and awareness is yeah not there so yeah true they they, they farm it out don't they so and it's quite a throwaway thing like if technology's more than a year old it's like we're moving on absolutely something else yeah Yeah. it's trippy isn't it yeah funny how i love keeping on my little bits I've got like a stack of XTR Max, which I've made one baggy one out of because I've smashed them all to bits and tried to rebuild them. And I get a lot out of that, making one good yeah. one out of a load of broken bits. And I don't know, I wish looking after it. Like that, yeah, I was, I'm sure there's some absolutely dial people out there. But there's also a lot of and repairing tires. That's something I need to I need to go and get some glue because I put a lot of holes in tires. Yeah. And then you go fucking try and repair that shit. You go and just like can't just chuck it out every time. Yeah, fair play. And fifty to one, I guess you you guys started that what three or four years ago. Yeah, you're following similar. Like it's all environmentally friendly as much as it can be. Yeah, yeah. How's that going? Like I see a lot of people wearing it. So yeah, it's it's uh, the response has been great, man. We've had a lot of support, and it's uh, it's a nice feeling because it's something what's close to our hearts and. I feel like in the future I'll have way more time to put into it. Right. At present with the racing and the filming and it's like with all me, Sambo, Luce and Petey, well, Petey's obviously got his Petey's products, but me, Sambo and Luce especially, I've yeah. got like five ideas at any one time we <laughs> want to put into something what we know can be useful and yeah. done better or okay. but just having the time and resources to make it happen isn't always there, but so do you think we'll see you move outside of just clothing and definitely we like to be i mean we never really okay. wanted to just be a clothing company but right it's just the, the guys at banana are fucking great cause yeah. they um they are finger on the pulse in that industry they know what's yeah. going on so they can they can guide us through it a lot cool. so that's good but and it's sort of a bread and butter. It might give us the opportunity to do more stuff. Yeah. Like we never we've never taken money out of fifty to one really. We just put it back in or try and help the boys out with it or nice. bits and bobs. Yeah. Yeah. So sweet. it's good. So we'll see some interesting products from you guys at some point in the future then. Yeah. Yeah, man. Nice. Absolutely. Watch this space. Cool. We've got three questions that we ask all of our guests. So we'll hit those and then I reckon uh, I reckon we're done. First one is, 
if you had a hundred pounds or if our listeners had a hundred pounds to spend to either improve their performance or have a bit more fun on a bike, what would you recommend they spend it on? We're back into consumerism here, but it doesn't have to be a product. It could be, could be anything. Maybe some tools. Mm. Go in there, dig a jump, get some sweet air. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. I've, I, uh, I find myself only really digging when I've got a project coming up. Last right. time I d- did a load of digging was before Wheel of, and I'm filming next week. So I've been, last three, four days, I've just been in the woods. And the the sense of, of just achievement and it's just nice just building something what loads of people, you know, will enjoy in the future. Maybe a spade and a. Yeah. And a matic, then <laughs> you're off. Yeah, that'd be sick. Have you got a Have you got a recommended brand for your spade and matic or no, not whatever? Really. I can't even remember where I got mine from. But yeah, maybe some tool build some jumps. Yeah, look, just just look after the trails. Sambo, yeah, gotta give Sambo a big shout out. Like Mac Forest round us, riding's insane. Riding scenes growing constantly, yeah. and the trail maintenance is at an all time low. So it's like, especially the winter, it gets savaged. It just gets so yeah, deep. Yeah, especially rut. this winter as well has been rough, hasn't it? Like the amount of times we come around a corner and it's just the rut's been dug out and it's fresh. And I'm just like, Sambo, you're a king. So, you know, like that, you yeah. got to give a little back. We spend a lot of time just rinsing trails and it's nice to do a little bit on a minute. Yeah. yeah. yeah like you say, looking after the environment that we ride in, that yeah. we're lucky to ride in really. So For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And with more and more people coming onto the trails and building trails, yeah, then they need more people looking after them as well. Totally. Instead of taking it for granted. Totally. Yeah. Fair play. Question two. If you could wind back the clock and sit down with your 16 year old self and give him a bit of advice, what would you tell him? <laughs> oh, man. I have no idea. I have no idea. What would I tell him? I don't know what I'd tell him. That was a hard one, mate. I'd probably advise him to stay clear of particular ex girlfriend. Hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, yeah, everything's worked out all right, but I don't know. Yeah, sometimes you've got to go through the process to get to where you need to be, That's right? it, isn't it? That's it. I feel like everything does happen for a reason and there's a lot of there's a lot of valuable lessons along the way, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, all good. All right, last question. If you could have a coaching day with any rider, past or present, who would it be, why, and what would you want to learn from them? You can pick more than one if you want. That's it. Probably Rennie. Really? Go on, yeah, why? probably Rennie. Just is for the looking at his video sections, I feel like he's a, probably the most rounded, 100% the most rounded rider of his time. I mean, you've got Cedric who could definitely do the tricks and have the style. Yeah. But Rennie's, <clears throat> Rennie was another level. Rennie were doing like flat spin freeze before they were even a thing. Yeah. They're moth axis mad ones you were doing in like but big hops on him, just insane cornering. I feel like he's definitely one of the Yeah, most rounded, sickest riders. Yeah. 
and I feel like I'd just love another session with him. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's cool that you got to ride with him. Is there anyone who you would love to ride with that you've never had the chance yet? You've been lucky to ride with some pretty rad people, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got to I did a bit of riding with our dog this winter, which was fucking sick. Um but who would I like to ride with? Oh, I don't know. Some I don't know. That's a real tough one. Maybe seven oak. You know you not had the chance yet? I did. I rode hardtail around the Nike parking lot with him in <laughs> like oh seven maybe. Was this when you were on Nike six yeah. point yeah. or whatever, yeah. It took us to Oregon. Yeah. To Portland to the HQ and I took my hardtail on the road. We like went and made a rut and did something <laughs> which was sick. Nice. I think Yeah, both proper session. A yeah, for sure. That's a video I'd like to see. <laughs> make it happen man learn something from him yeah sick guy sweet cool good stuff no, nice one great. it's been super interesting chatting and uh, I feel very chilled on this lovely boat <laughs> so, it's mint and uh, yeah thanks for thanks for having us over it's cool anytime if mate. people want to see what you're up to where's the best place for them to, to follow you on socials and stuff uh, rap boy Bryce on insta and probably 50 to 1 cool on youtube I think it 50to1.tv maybe okay. maybe just YouTube 50to1 I'll check it out I'll put it in the show notes so that people no. can find it on the website or whatever so yeah nice one well nice. best of luck for the rest of the year look forward to seeing some more video projects and some EWS grins definitely and, uh, yeah happy days good to chat man nice thank one. you very much cheers man Okay, that's it for this remastered version of my interview with Josh Bryceland. I hope you've enjoyed listening if it's the first time or re-listening if you've come back again. Just a quick reminder to make sure you subscribe so you get the next episode as soon as it's available and to give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. All right, until next time, get out and ride. <laughs>